So this month we are reviewing The Catch by T.M. Logan, which was recommended by Alison. I found a review, Jacob Collins from the New York Times, and this is what he said. I think The Catch is T.M. Logan's best novel yet, and I think it is definitely my favourite of his books so far. I flew through this book and I devoured it all within just a couple of days. When Abby brings home her new boyfriend, Ryan, for the first time, her father, Ed, immediately notices something odd about him. Outwardly, Ryan seems perfect, but Ed seems something dark within. But Ed sees something dark within him. But is he just being paranoid? Abby and her mother certainly think so. When Abby and Ryan announce they're getting married in six weeks' time, Ed is determined to stop it. He can't shake off the bad feeling he has about Ryan, and he won't let his daughter make the wrong decision. But is Ed only causing a rift within his own family? Logan always manages to get the tension going in his books very early on. I knew there was something not quite right with Ryan, right from the moment Ed first clapped eyes on him. From the start, I was rooting for him to find the answers. As the book progresses, T.M. Logan keeps the tension turning up a notch as the countdown to the wedding begins. Ed knows that he only has limited time to find the truth about Ryan. This is what keeps the tension going as Ed starts to delve into Ryan's past, and Ed begins to use surveillance to track Ryan's movements. But this action Ed was taking made me think that he was putting himself into unnecessary danger. At this point, I didn't know if it would be a good thing for Ed to stop what he was doing and listen to his wife and daughter or continue on his path. Logan creates an air of mystery about Ryan. As Ed goes after him, I was never sure if there was something dark and mysterious in the past. I definitely thought that there was something he was hiding, but there could also have been an innocent explanation of why this could be the case. As Logan begins to reveal Ryan's true backstory, I wanted to see how Ryan and Ed were going to react. What course of action was Ryan going to take next? This is what leads to a nail-biting finale, as I could see that things could go either way for Ed and his family. I raced through the final pages to find out what was going to happen. Logan always manages to tell an entertaining story and he keeps you utterly gripped to his writing. If you're a lover of psychological thrillers and if you hadn't read any of his books yet, then you don't know what you're missing out on. Top stuff. Well, I couldn't find a negative review at all about this book, but I did watch the TV series. I thoroughly enjoyed it, as I do like psychological thrillers. I did sort of think who Ryan was. I sort of got it halfway through. and um, But with regard to the television, it was only in four episodes, which I was really surprised about, because normally thrillers are six and more. So there you are. So that was it. That was T.M. Logan's The Catch. And um, Alice, you were the one that recommended it. And you also recommended me to read his book, Trust Me, which I did get. Uh, it's there. I'm looking at it, but I haven't started it yet. So there we are. So off you go, Alice. Well, as you can see, you didn't, you couldn't find any negative reviews, which is no. why I recommended it. It's, uh, I, I mean, I just really, really enjoyed it. As, as the, as the person was saying, it, he does, he racks up the tension, and the technique he uses is by putting the date, you know, thirty-three days to the wedding, and then the <clears> next chapter is twenty-nine days to the wedding. So you, it's like a, there is like a countdown. So that sort of ups the tension. You know, he, he's got to find what's, what's going on, so he can stop the wedding. And um, so, it, I mean, it's just gripping stuff. And the book was much better than the the TV adaptation. Um, they actually re 
wrote the 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 plot for the TV adaptation. They set it in a completely different place because they've set it on the sea because obviously he's a fisherman and the catch it's you know they've sort of done that with it but it wasn't set on the sea in the book um and the, they changed the plot as well and i i really think the the tv adaptation was a bit of a cop out on the novel i thought the novel was much harder hitting and i really enjoyed the novel a lot more than the tv not to say that the tv adaptation was bad it wasn't it just because i'd read the book first i thought it the TV adapt, uh, ad, I can't say adaptation. Adaptation wasn't quite so good as the book. Um, so yeah, so I mean that's that's really all I've, I've I've got to say on it. I just I mean I just loved it. I love the way that he creates the tension. I think the characters are very realistic. They're very three D. They've all got backstories. You can you can really understand why they're doing the taking the actions that they're doing. You know everything seems quite plausible and and he just does he racks up the tension and the suspense and there's some really really good twists in the book I mean there were some good twists in the adaptation as well there were just different twists to the ones on in the book so um yeah so I, I can't really say any more about it I just loved it and uh, you really need to read it but don't you find that normally uh, if a film's been out of me made out from a book and also TV adaptations, that the book is always better. I mean, the last, uh, what was the book we read? The Girl the girl That Lived on Her Own. Um, oh, the, the Crawdads one. The Crawdads, yeah. yeah. Um, the book was far, far, far better than the film. And, um, you know, I'd recommend anybody to read the book rather than, rather than the film. So you would recommend, Alison, that your readers write it. Or can you just, I sort of briefly said the, told the story. Um you said it got you every time. Did you realise halfway through who Ryan was? Um, yeah, I mean, because it was a psychological thriller, you knew from the start that Ryan was the baddie. Um, but the way that he, the way that he did it, and all the scenes and everything, you wondered whether it was he. He played it so that you thought that Ed was just paranoid, and they did this really well in the adaptation. Actually, the way that they did that in the adaptation, you started to think that Ed was a bit paranoid. So that's how he played it in the in the book and in the adaptation. That Ed was actually seeing things that weren't there, and it was done really, really well. So it did it did make you keep wondering all the way through. You were just thinking, is he really just making this up? And Ryan's not as bad as you think he is, but then. Of course, you know you you know underneath that yeah he he would it's it's all sort of a, the paranoia things a little bit of a red herring but you know it just does keep you on the on your toes the whole way through. Yeah, I thought that Jed Atkins who played Ed was very very good, and yeah. um, you know he's been around a lot and he's a face you know but you can never put a name to. But I think after this people will probably put a name to. Him. Okay, so is that it then, Alison? That was very good. Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't much really. I'm just, <laughs> I mean, I just loved it. And also, you can't really go into it in too much detail because you give the plot away, you know. Yeah, so. exactly. Exactly. Okay, well, let's go over to Felicity. What did you think, Liz? Okay, well, um, it, it's a big tick for me as well. I thought it was um, an elegant and deceptively simple thriller. Um, uh, quite a lot of reviewers talked about the big plot twist in the middle and um, I don't think the plot twist was a surprise from a plot point of view certainly didn't surprise me from what you just said Alice I don't think it surprised you either but the actual almost the surprising bit was the real twist was psychological um, 
there's a pivotal sort of psychological moment that I thought was very clever in the middle of the book. Um, I can't say more about it without giving it away, but it's really nicely done. And I thought it's a rare thing for me, a thriller where you really care about the characters and you empathise with them. Who did, you care, who did you care for then? Oh, Ed, Ed, you've got to care about Ed. I mean, he is a sweet, innocent thing. You know, he thinks he's being so clever because okay. he is... He is, he's laying what he thinks are these traps for Ryan. He thinks he's tracking him down. But actually, Ryan's one step ahead of him the whole way and so much so much more streetwise and, and clever. Um, I mean, to give you an example, when he when he is in, he he lets himself into Abby and Ryan's house and he's looking around thinking he's being really clever about looking for clues. And there's just one little moment where he takes a mug off the drainer puts it on the worktop and then leaves it there and goes to do something else. And you think Ryan's going to walk into the house and spot that the moment he walks in. And there's lots of other bigger sort of glitches and pratfalls he has, while at the same time think he's clever. You know, he thinks he's discovered Ryan's secret lover um, when, I can't say too much, but Ryan is one step ahead of him all the way. So you've got to feel for him, but at the same time, he's a really believable character the minor characters all really well drawn Claire the wife Joyce the grandmother is a delight you know it's just it's just so rare for me to find a thriller where the characters are so so well drawn so you know I'm just I'm just I'm just big round of applause for um Tim Logan um on that I think for me I love the location in the book because I just personally know it quite well. I'm quite a keen hill walker. I've walked the route that um, Ryan takes several times. I've parked in the same car park where Ed parked his car when he goes when he goes after Ryan. So I literally was there with them in the in the sort of big where the when the big high drama happens so that that was um that was quite exciting and like the new york times critic you know i was reading reading like crazy right through the to the end desperate to know what happens so i will i will and it was very accurate the location information was accurate he's obviously um really researched it well and all been there himself so I'll definitely read his other books. And um, thanks, Alice, for introducing him to me. Like you, I watched the TV series and have to say, absolutely hated it. I just have no idea why they changed the location. They changed the aspects of the plot for no reason that I could think of. There wasn't anything wrong with the actors. I mean, I thought... Ryan was miscast, but the other actors I thought were all great. You know, Jason Watkins as Ed, absolutely brilliant. But I think he would have been even more brilliant if they had left the setting and the plot exactly how it is. I thought it was great for dramatisation. I've got absolutely no idea why they decided to change it all. Where um, was it? Where was the original plot then? Location? It was set in the Peak District. Oh, okay. So in the Peach, so the they live in Nottingham, and the action set in the Peak District, um, around Kinder Scout, Edale, Grindsbrook Clough, um, Jacob's Ladder, which are locations which 
you know, people who go to the Peak District for hill walking will all know. Yeah. And the location was such an intrinsic part of the plot, absolutely pivotal to the plot. So why they decided to change it all. The scriptwriter obviously thought that he wanted to, um, you know, make a name for himself by changing it. But for me, it was definitely, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And they tried to fix it. And I think it ended up much worse. So was the location in the book um, by the sea? No. 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 And Peak I, District, I, oh, of course, not by the sequel. In the Peak yeah. District, so I wonder why they did that. So I, I think, like Alice said, there was a bit of a play on words around the catch, but there was a play on words around the catch anyway, without having to involve the sea. Yeah. It's almost yeah. like they created a double play on words, and why do that? Yeah. And I thought the plot was quite blousy and confused in the TV series compared with the book. The book I thought was 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 deceptively simple and quite elegantly done. And I think they just lost that in the TV series. And very opinion. well written. Oh, very well written. Yeah, mm. definitely. Mm. Definitely. Mm. Um, now, when, when you're talking about Ed, you said he was so innocent, but he wasn't and because of his past. Yes. No, I, don't, I don't really agree. Well, the, the past in the TV adaptation was completely different from the past in the book. Oh, so was that complete... Nothing yes, to do with all the, book. the all the stuff about the navy and everything in, was not in the book. Oh, yeah, was not Just in, in the, the book. Oh yeah, ah. sorry, Sue. I should have said none that of that happens in the book. Well, well I never that's did. That's why they. That's why they. They checked. That's what I'm saying. They rewrote the plot for the TV adaptation. Right. Which okay. Is why. I, I personally didn't think it worked as well. No, I mean, absolutely I not. Good, but I wonder, I wonder what Logan thought about that because obviously, when they sign away their rights, they do, don't they, for a film or television, whatever. But to completely change what you have created seems a bit not nice. <laughs> I thought, I thought that was a, a travesty. I mean, the Navy subplot in the TV yeah. series that was obviously to give Ryan a motivation to do what he did. Yes. Um, oh, well, when, and, when, and without when, giving away the book, T.M. Logan's brave enough to actually right. not have a pseudo-motivation like that around Ryan. Right. Without giving too much away, the guy is just the evil. Well, when we're off air, you'll have to tell me, I haven't read the book, you'll have to tell me what happens in the book then. Uh, so you'll read uh, his other books. Have you not read any at all, Fliss? No. No, not at all. Okay, well, I've got Trust Me, so I'll, I'll get my head around to... Uh, reading this as soon as I possibly can. So is that all you want to say? Yeah, I could go I could go on. But yeah, I loved it. I'll read his other book and I wish they put those good actors in a more faithful TV series. Right. Okay. Okay. Right. Well we'll go into a commercial break and then we'll come back and we'll talk to Jean. Welcome back to Book Club. We've been discussing The Catch by T.M. Logan. We've already heard from Alison and from Felicity. So now we're going to hear from Jean. Jean, did you read the book and watch the TV adaptation? I read the book, which is unusual. I actually didn't even connect the TV series, the book we were going to read at all, because it was so different. It was complete dog's dinner. I took one look at Ryan and thought, I'm not watching that. He was much too ugly to be um, the suave, debonair sort of seducer. And um, it was just ridiculous because it was so different. And um, I don't know why they did it. They 
how to ruin a good book, good plot. His motivation, of course, is um, it's his vocation. He says it somewhere, page 384. He never wanted to stop, like, like Alice says, he never wanted to stop killing because it was his vocation. It was his job. He says, um, any moron can extinguish life. Any moron can be a murderer. But it's how you do it. And he considered himself an expert. He says he's got some, um, he works, he makes himself look good. First of all, he works in a hospice, doesn't he? And he loves to, he describes the death rattle, the shuddering, the <laughs> slackening of the lips. It's actually quite revolting, the descriptions, when I think about it. So. And then he says there's three things. You've got to know your job. Deception, disposal, disguise. And that was where Abby came in. Who would suspect somebody with a wife and two kids in tow? being a serial killer. Yeah, he enjoys it. Be, being that it's psychological, I assume because he's, well, you assume he killed his family and then he wants to show how clever he is. And But everybody around him dies, which is always suspicious. Also, as Alice mentioned, obviously, Felicity mentioned things too. The countdowns, well, that, that's Ed's countdown, isn't it? You, you assume being the central narrative voice. I like the short sentences. I like the odd short one-liners. Um, like he never wanted to stop. And they sort of chucked in in a kind of narrative of everyday life, which makes it more of a contrast, which makes it more hard-hitting, very hard-hitting. Well, having having just seen the uh, the TV adaptation, which has got very little to do with the book, so I can't really comment on it. Did did you realise he was a he was a, a nasty character right from the very beginning? Well, yeah, because he's wiping his knife. He shifts the first page. He shifts the knife to his left hand, feels for a pulse, nothing. And he, he says, he describes how a serial killer thinks. Hmm, be easy to, you know, very, they've got no feelings. He has no feelings. It's all mental. Yeah. He works everything up. It's all mathematical, really. Yeah, it was good. Good plot. There were a few negative bits that I read that, Ed, the Ed bit was too long, and um, the narrative on Ed, and the ending was too short. Did you agree with that, Felicity? Felic? I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure I did actually. I mean, there are, there are quite a lot of novels where the ending feels a bit rushed, and the tempo did increase towards the end. But I thought he probably meant to do that, just to um, you know create a sense of drama and pace right at the end. So I didn't. I I wouldn't agree with those critics actually, and I thought the description of Ed's gradual decline, how his his life basically all implodes because of this obsession with Ryan, it needed that space for it to happen, because it couldn't just happen immediately. There had to be some sort of progression. He did that quite well. Yeah, I, I thought that that was probably a bit harsh. I think they were desperately trying to find something negative to say because, as Sue says, there was nothing, there were no negative reviews. And these these were just not actual reviews. They were, you know, they put the comments after it. It was somebody agreeing with somebody else or somebody not agreeing with somebody else. Um, and, and Alison, did you agree with um, with Jean about that, about the na- narrative on Ed and the short fi- fi- finality? No, I mean, I, I, as Fliss saying, I think you do, you need that, you need that progression. You need to, the, the, the whole psychological thing is that Ed is unraveling. He thinks that he's right. And as he goes through it, he unravels and, and then he starts doubting himself the whole way through. 
So you need that you need that long space to, to, to do that. And then towards the end, it is literally galloping to a conclusion. You know, um, Abby's running for her. She's literally like running for her life. And you need you need that quickness. So you need that short space because it's it is it, you need you need that fast pace to to give the jeopardy of it. It's all happening very, very fast. Yeah. You know, that they're running through the through, you know, away from each other or what have you. So you need that. You need that fast no, pace. Did, you did. need it to be shorter. You can't have that over three chapters. You can't have that thing over three chapters. It has got to be very, very short. So Well, as I said, yeah. I think they're trying to find something negative because no everyone was saying how wonderful it was. So I was saying <laughs> it was it was the comment on somebody else's review. Right. Oh okay. Well they're wrong. <laughs> It wasn't actually my thought, but I didn't <laughs> if if he was doing a Hillary. Um, but no, it was good. I like the countdown. I like the short sentence, short short paragraphs. I like the odd one liner, like any moron can kill. Yeah, just and I think it is a very good what's the word outline of a serial killer because you'll find that. Murderers don't necessarily have feelings. They do, but they're all for themselves. Yes. And did you like the style of writing? Yeah, I loved it. Mm. Have you read any of the other of his books? No. Does that make you want to read any more? Possibly. Mm-hmm. But it's a bit too straightforward. I prefer watching on TV like Midsummer Murders, working, <laughs> working out who did it, all, all, the, all those detective things on Vera <laughs> without oh, without giving without giving what happened obviously away which you're going to tell me when we finish um how uh, Fliss if I can ask you this um how when Ed obviously realized there was something wrong how did he go about trying to prove that this man was a was as a nasty so-and-so um well uh, there were several several different ways he sort of he took um he took matters into his own hands and um, and did some amateur surveillance. He um, deployed some technology, so he put the tracker on his car, and then and this was actually a very a very clever element of the plot. I think he um, employed a private detective agency, and I don't want to say what happened, but they end up playing a really pivotal role in the plot. But the whole time you are. Now that we've established Ed's a bit of an innocent, you're yeah. left thinking the whole way. I've been interested to know what Alice thinks about this. Is this agency for real or are they just taking Ed's money and um, has he been a victim of a sort of scam? And all, all through um, the latter part of the novel, after he's employed them, you're never really quite sure until quite close to the end when they do play that pivotal role I mentioned earlier. I thought that was very clever. So he deploys a number of different means and Ryan sort of throws some of them back at him by doing the same himself, but just better. Uh, without without spoiling the ending, there was one bit I thought was a bit imp- improbable was Claire, the way she found superhuman strength. Can't say anymore at, at the end. Yeah, well, I, I, I mean, I, I agree with the, with the agency, as Fliss says. You, you think, you wonder whether it's a bit of a con, 
and um you in fact you're almost convinced it's a con all the way through um so um yeah so that's that's sort of that's a that's another quite a good twist I think and it does it it really ramps up the suspense and the tension because you think it, that poor old it, Ed's being taken for a ride but is the Claire a bit credible well she's a mother isn't she so yes I would think it would be credible myself but there we go but we better we better not say any more on that Jean <laughs> have to be careful have to be careful okay ladies so we're going to a commercial break and then when we come back we'll talk about the next book and just have a general chat Welcome back to part three of February's book club, where we reviewed with Jean Fairburn, Felicity Radcliffe and Annie Scalding, The Catch by uh, T.M. Logan, which had a full 10 stars all round. So now we're going to talk about next month's book, which we're going to review, uh, which was chosen by Jean. So far away, Jean. Three Hours by Ros Rosamond Lopson, who is local, Cambridge-born, and I hadn't read it yet. Good, so that's the whole idea that we all read it. But it comes highly recommended. It is about a school under siege by a gunman in rural Somerset. And um, it's the roles played by the social media in times of crisis and the anguish of parenthood, which is also, at the moment, rather salient, isn't it? Yes. For reasons that I shan't go into. Um, so it looks like a good one. And um, she's quite young, but she's local. She was born in Cambridge, so it would be quite nice. But it's her first well-known novel, I think. No, so, her debut novel was Sister. This is the second one, isn't it? Um, probably the fourth, but the first one that's given, been given a wider audience. So I think it's um, beholden to those of us who are local to support our sisters. Right. Okay. Well, I, I can I can tell you I can tell you three books that I've read um, recently. Um, mm -hmm. If you're interested in those ones, which were really good, mm -hmm. I've read um, a book called Storm by Stephanie Merritt, um, and it uh, that was a really brilliantly twisty thriller. And uh, it sort of she's she what she does is she poses different questions in each chapter. And then the next chapter, so you're wondering what's going on. And then in the next chapter, she answers one of the questions. Then she poses another question. And it's just like this the whole way through. So it's really, it really is very suspenseful and she creates lots of tension. And you haven't really don't know what's going on until it all starts to come together at the end of the book. And it's just brilliant. Really, really good. I was really, really impressed with that one. So that's Storm by Stephanie Merritt. Mm -hmm. And then another one that I read was, um, this one's a romance. Um, it's by Beth O'Leary. It's called The No Show. And I don't know whether any, any of have um, the One Day by, I think, is it David Nichols? Yeah. It's very similar to that, to, to that sort of, that sort of thing but it's 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 about three women and one missing man on valentine's day their date lets them down and it's sort of why this date lets them down and it's a story about these three different women and their and um, and how they get to know this this chap joe and it's i mean it's really 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 well done so um 
I really enjoyed that one. Um, so I thought that would be quite topical because it was set on Valentine's Day, but of course it's February. So, you know, um, but I, I enjoyed it. That's why I got out of the library because that was really good. And then the other one that I've just recently read is is by it's called A Slow Fire Burning by Paula Hawkins. Now she wrote The Girl on the Train, which was made into a film and everything. And this is um it's a very complicated, it's a very complicated and confusing book to start with. You have no idea what's going on. You have lots of different characters and what's going on with these different characters. But again, as the threads tighten and you realise what's going on with these characters, it 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 really it all ties together right at the end and it's got a great twist at the end. So that's a really good read as well if anybody likes Paula Hawkins. Okay, well, that's good, as because um takes you away from your Regency romantic novels. It does, well, I have read all those as well. I've gone through the um, Julia <laughs> Quinn backlist, the Blyden <laughs> Sisters. Um, those that was her first series, a series of three books. I had to had to go with those, and there was a couple that I hadn't I haven't read that I managed to get hold of, which were a bit earlier. So I've read those as well. So yes, I haven't completely given up on my Regency romances. I've still been <laughs> reading those as well on top of the, on top of these other ones. <laughs> the avid reader that you are. How about you, Fliss? What have you been reading? Uh, yes, I'm reading a book called The Dressmaker's Secret by Lorna Cook. And um, I'm reading it for my book club that I part of in my local village. Uh, I've only read about probably a quarter to no probably about a third of it now um I'm not sure I'd be sort of waving a big flag and saying HCR readers rush out and uh and uh and buy it I'm mm. quite enjoying the story but for me there's there's rather a lot wrong with the writing but then I know I can be picky about that sort of thing but uh it's an easy read The Dressmaker's Secret by Lorna Cook okay um, at the other end of the spectrum, I'm. I have just. I've ordered, but haven't downloaded, um, a pretty sort of heart wrenching memoir of somebody's experience in in the concentration camp during the war, which oh. probably isn't isn't everybody's idea of fun. But no. it's actually supposed to be. Um, there's. It's supposed to be actually quite quite heartwarming. Um, tale of survival and hope etc so okay. I'm going to be reading that but uh, yeah I've actually been writing more than reading the last mm -hmm. uh, the last few weeks trying okay. to get stuck into my next book so right okay for not having lots of recommendations okay all right then and what else are you reading at the moment Jean I am reading oh well I'm actually watching more as I say yeah, well, what have you been watching then? I've been actually writing more than reading. Mm. A couple of soaps. As a writer of Huntsford, yes. And of Ambleforce Manor, yes. Oh, so that I haven't had much time to do much else. I've been, um, I've got some Canadians coming at the weekend. Mm -hmm. By which time I would have finished my writing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> then there's other things. Yeah, like, like, well, like my lady friends, Alice and Felicity, we are busy writing. Yes, good, good. Okay. Now, Fliss, you were talking to me about um, some sort of meeting with indie authors. Tell me about that. Yes. So there's an exciting event coming up at the end of April. It's called the Indie Author Book Fair. 
and it takes place at the Corn Exchange in St Ives, um, 30th of April, 10 o'clock to 4 o'clock. And it's bringing together independent authors, actually from all over the country, but there's a good representation as well from local authors. So um, I'm going to be there. Um, Georgia Rose and Carol Carmen, who are both uh, local, well-established local authors, are going to be there. Um, and it's a, it's a book fair, so obviously you can buy books from the independent authors, but there's also going to be um, book readings. So authors will be reading extracts from their work. There's going to be book signings. So it's a great opportunity for people to come along and um, meet a whole range of authors in loads of different genres. So there's thriller writers, there's um, authors who specialise in young adult literature, there's romance writers, you know, every type of author from all across the spectrum is represented there. And there's new authors signing up all the time. So I think last time I looked at the a website, there were 16 or 17 authors, but every day there seems to be a new one. So I think there's going to be a real variety of people there. So, and it's free as well. So if um, if listeners will be interested in getting themselves to St Ives on the 30th to come and meet some independent authors and perhaps buy some exciting new books, I think it's going to be really uh, a really good event. The company that organises it actually organises book fairs all over the world. There's another one happening in Western Australia, for, for, for instance. So it's not a one-off. It's part of a sort of wider indie author movement. Um, but it's, um, I think it's going to be really well supported. So it would be great to see um, to see some of our listeners there uh, would be absolutely fantastic. I'll be there with my Grand Union series of three um, crime mystery novels set mm. on the Canal Network. Um, but obviously, you know, love to hear from listeners who want to come up and talk about Huntsford or anything else. It would be great to see people. Yeah. Okay. And you are. You say you're going to concentrate now on your new novel. Can you tell us anything about that? Uh, yes, it's got nothing to do with the canals. Mm -hmm. um it is it's if i was to put it succinctly it's a bit like thursday murder club meets outlander but without a murder so okay. uh so the main character is a 73 year old grandmother who gets given a um virtual reality headset for christmas by her two grandchildren <laughs> and it's about what happens when she puts on the virtual reality headset after having ingested various different mind-altering substances. <laughs> and uh, and she actually, it's actually set partly in the near future, so not the present day, the near future, and partly in the 12th century. Wow. Um, but okay. loca locally in the 12th century. Okay. So it's, there's an element of magical realism to it where you have to suspend disbelief a little bit um but uh it is yeah it's completely different from my from what i've written before okay good good and what about you alice didn't you weren't you working on a novel recently 
Yeah, I'm I'm writing a Regency romance at the moment. Um, <laughs> surprise, surprise, surprise. Um, I, I'm intending to make it into a series if I can if I can do. I'm sort of writing towards making it into three into a trilogy. Um, so I've start. I'm about I'm almost halfway through the first the first one, and I've written part of the second one as well and I've had an 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 idea for the third the third one but you sort of have to plant bits in your when you write a series you have to sort of plant bits in your first one that are going to come up in the second and third one so it's not a case of just writing your first one and then writing your second one and then writing your third one you have to sort of think ahead as to what you're going to put in so it's a little bit more complicated writing a writing a series than is writing a one-off book I, I think I mean Fliss will know this because she's or she's done she's done a trilogy so you know you do you have to sort of plan ahead a little bit when you're doing it so it does take take quite a bit of work so we'll see how that one goes and how do you fit all this out with all your reading do you every day write something or yes yeah, yeah no I sit down every every day and I try and write at least 500 words um if I can do, I'll write more than 500 words, but most days I only get about 500 words down. Um, some days I'll write a thousand. Um, and, you know, if I'm doing really, really well and it's all running away with me, I'll sit down and write 3000. But um, when I'm really struggling, I'll try and do a little bit every day because even if you write 300 really bad words, you can edit them. Yeah. So I don't. I'll literally sit down and write 300 bad words and then the next day think, oh, my goodness, what was I thinking? <laughs> Change half of it and then carry on. So, um, yeah, but I do try and write a little bit every day. Yeah, good. And, Jean, are you, you're writing, I know you're script writing at the moment, but you're not writing anything else, just scripts. I'm writing poetry. I now and again read Alice's bits and pieces because she comes to see me. See, yeah. <laughs> see what I'm up to, not a lot. Um, I'm usually sat at this computer. I Good, write, okay. I do write every day, though. Yeah, yeah. All right, ladies. Okay, then. Well, so we'll look forward to next month's, which is called again, what's it called again, G? Uh, three Hours by Rosamond Lupton. Lupton. Okay, lovely. All right, the ladies. We'll have a lovely month and take care of yourselves, and I'll see you in a month's time. Look forward. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.